Hello, everyone. I'm Janice Alpert, and welcome to On Purpose, where we talk to people who have found their purpose and they want to share their story. And I'm excited today to have Meg. No, no. How do you pronounce your last name? No. It's Nasro. 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 I would have absolutely said that wrong. Um, and uh, welcome. And I'm so pleased and grateful. I know. To, I know November is Gratitude Month, so grateful for you being here and um, willing to share your story. So why don't we just jump right in, Meg? And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of growing up and how? Yeah, just kind of your background a little bit the whole background in what, two minutes or less, right? No, I, I, you know, doesn't have to be two minutes as long (laughs) as you would like. (laughs) I I am, I am now an author. I have published three books, all award-winning books. I'm excited to share that. That was, that was a passion project for me. Um, It started off with my magical guide to bliss, went to a sparkle and shine, which is a book of affirmations and then culminated with my butterfly awakens, which is my memoir transformation through grief. Um, I was, a formal federal product prosecutor with the Department of Homeland Security. So that, yeah, that kind of, it's, it's kind of interesting because even while I was there, I used to go around to different offices and stick magnets on the doors of like positive affirmations or like positive quotes. So, and, and there's like a metal, you know, the magnetic, you know, metal doors. Uh-huh. I would just stick them and I gave them out as gifts. And basically it was for me when I was walking around those the office to see these quotes all around. So I would remind myself go in the direction of your dreams live the Uh, life that you've often imagined so mm -hmm. you know so even 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 when you were doing your loss stuff you kind of had some inkling inside like uh i I feel like there's there's more here but let let, so growing up let me just hear a little about growing up and growing up was there like a message of be positive. Um, were you from a big family? Like, how did you? So I will tell you the actual truth of the matter is I really was a conflicted kid. I, okay. I grew up, uh, you know, growing up, I, I was subjected to a lot of bullying in, in elementary school. It was really, you know, those are the things that either break you or make you. And, you For know, sure. I, it's, you know, it's interesting because you're out in the world and the kids are just sometimes so mean, so mean, so Horrible. mean, <laughs> so mean. And right? sometimes adults are too, but yeah. Well, you wonder why the kids are mean. Exactly. The apple doesn't fall that far from the tree and they've got to be mirroring somebody's behavior, you know, totally. as a therapist, you know, that you probably see that quite often for whatever reason, but, um, Sad, but know, true. It, it is. And I was very lucky to have a very strong family. I, I, I my family is Italian American. You know, we mm-hmm. really do jive with the family experience. You know, we used to go on travel together all over the world. Actually, my mother loved history. She was a, she had a master's in history. In fact, so, oh. she, so she felt like the best way to learn about the world is actually to go see it. You know, the whole, I, con- I concur with that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were very lucky too. My father was a cardiologist, so he, we actually had the means to do those kind mm-hmm. of things, even though he worked all the time. But, um, but you know, really, the, the beautiful thing about my my growing up and my my childhood was, even though I didn't realize it at the time, they were instilling some sort of curiosity in us, being open ah, to the world. And I okay. really, you know, I look back in time. You know, we loved the movies. We would go to the movies all the time since mm-hmm. I was little, and it didn't matter. My father was just like someone to come with me. You know. Everyone to the movies that was our experience and you know movies are the best way love movies yeah see a story unfold right yeah and 
And the whole idea was also because my father was always, you know, you know, really thinking about what the theme and whatever it was. It wasn't just a movie. It was all sorts of philosophical discussions afterwards. And I've heard it say as an adult, the best converse or the best movies are those that the conversation begins once the lights come up again. Right. Exactly. So, the best. So my, my childhood was filled with books and movies and travel and, you know, wow. and also, like I said, juxtaposed against, you know, not really liking school, which because I, because I didn't experience a really good environment. So it was kind of like, I hate going there, but I like to learn. Okay. Really, so even though you were, he had this really difficult, emotionally, uh, you know, kind of, it's almost like abusive peer thing happening, bullying yeah. happened. You still could um, embrace learning. There was something about that that you still liked. Like the creativity of the it. Creativity. I really okay. loved creating. I loved drawing. I loved mm -hmm. you know, delving into the written word. I did. I loved it. I speak four languages. I really kind Whoa. of sought after, yeah, I sought after the opportunity to break barriers so I could talk to people mm -hmm. about where they're from, who they are, where they come from, the whole shebang. And, you know, I would do, and of course the, the, the carrot, to the donkey was that anything that involved an educational bent, my parents would support. So if I wanted, so I lived in Columbia, South America, when I was 16 years old, they wow. sent me on exchange and I got to live with an exchange family down there. And it really opened my world. It actually was the best thing I could have done in my life for me because I got to recreate the narrative. Nobody ah. knew me there. Nobody right. had a clue who Meg Nasserl was. Uh -huh. so I got to go down there and be actually authentically who I was without anybody's, without any concept of anyone's going to judge me. Otherwise, mm -hmm. so, I've been to Colombia. Great country. Uh, yeah. Oh, please. The merengue, the salsa, the cumbia, the, the vallenato, the music, the dancing, the, the food, food, the everything. It was just kind of like woke up there initially mm -hmm. I, I i woke up to this wonderful culture of people who are very like loving and embracing etc so, and you were yeah. there you went by yourself or were you with a group or so i went through the school through an american field service back in 1986 yeah i'm dating myself and you know it was really wonderful they placed you with the family my family had three other children that were my age around oh, my age so okay. i got to go to high school with my sister down there my exchange sister uh-huh. But I went, I went with a group of by myself. So But that's pretty brave when you think about a 16-year-old doing that, going to a whole nother country like that. That's pretty brave. Well, you know, my mother was basically solution-oriented. So mm -hmm. she said to me, you know, she had sent me to camp for many years with my sisters, and I hated it. I mm -hmm. hated the clicky girls. I hated the, yeah. you know, being limited to, you know, rest hour, this, that, and the other. And she said, Well, if you are gonna do something, you have to do something in the summer. Figure yes. it out. So, you know, you know, the, the mother of, uh, you know, in, in, you know, insider innovation is necessity. So basically yes. I went out and I found the program. I decided to go and it was probably the best thing I've ever done for myself in my life. Wonderful. So you feel like that was kind of a transforming experience for you? Oh my God. When I came back, I spoke Spanish fluently. Mm -hmm. I, it was a whole new world open. It actually impacted the rest of my, I mean, little life decisions, right? Those little doors yes. that open, whether you kick it open and take advantage of the opportunity, what they say, luck is from preparation meets opportunity. And right. I really felt very lucky and blessed because I actually wanted to go to Italy. I, that was my first choice. Then okay. Spain. 
And then I said anywhere in South America, which they sent me to Colombia. And back in the 80s, it wasn't necessarily a very safe place. To I was go. just going to so- say that wasn't <laughs> there was a lot of cartel uh, drugs going on in Colombia. Yeah. El Nacho or whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Pablo Escobar. Uh, all those fun people. Exactly. And the funny thing is, I actually said to my parents, you know, when I came back, because some some, you know, I saw some interesting things down there because the news isn't necessarily washed. It's all blood and gore on the front page. I go, you must not like me very much. <laughs> go down there and see what happens. Go. So, you know, I was laughing because, you know, they really, they really, my mother trusted a lot the programs. If the program mm-hmm. sent me down there, then it would be safe because clearly as parents, we do worry about our children. Yes, we um, do. Yes, we do. And, and so, but the family that I was with, took care of me like I was their own. And honestly, to this day, they treat me like I am. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. So when you came back from that, you were like thinking about college, I'm guessing, because that sounds like education was a important thing in your family. So how did you, were you thinking already pre-law or what was like your college experience? I, I, I never contemplated law because at at the outset, it wasn't necessarily something that I wanted to do. I, I decided that I wanted to get involved with languages. I love to write. Mm -hmm. So I actually majored in Spanish and Italian. So I did. Yeah. So my major was basically an English major in another language. So I was reading all sorts of works from, oh my God, Cervantes and all, all the great works of literature from the Spanish, you know, the, from the conquistadores to to the, all the modern tomes as well. And 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 I, I love that your accent is perfect when you're saying these titles. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, I, I live in Miami. <laughs> so oh, clearly, you, okay. you know, it's funny because um, my husband now, my boyfriend at the time said to me when he, he found out that I studied Spanish, that what, what were you thinking? What are you ever going to do with that? And then he moved and lived in Miami. And I'm like, well, there you go. Uh-huh. I literally have more opportunities than you do because I can actually communicate with these people. Nah, so. nah, 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 nah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Um, but, but you never, I, you know, the reality was, is I, when I went to college, I think that having the experience I did in Columbia was one of those things, those essays, when you have to write them, you know, yes. about yourself, mm-hmm. that made me more interesting perhaps to the universities that I applied for. And when I got there, I went to Boston college and, you know, it's a great Jesuit education. They're very broad-minded, open-minded curiosity. I never, ever um, felt comfortable in a box. Mm -hmm. I didn't like being suffocated into believing dogma. I always questioned authority and it was really the perfect place for me because they encouraged critical thinking. And, okay. and I, I really, you know, I hate people who just drink the Kool-Aid. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the reasons why law was, you know, attractive to me at the end of the day, because, you know, and interestingly enough, federal government, it was kind of like drinking the Kool-Aid because of the policies. You can't really make your own way there. Right but you can make a difference in what mm-hmm. you're doing as far as discretion is going is concerned. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so it was wonderful as far as what took me there. And when I graduated from college, I went and did my master's in, in international security and conflict in American affairs. So I thought I was going to go into the foreign service in the state department. Oh. So that was really the direction I, I initially thought I would take. So, okay. but, but it sounds like there's a general theme of wanting to help and certainly you know, interested in international, you know, relationships, et cetera, and culture. So you went and 
then got a master's. And so then how did like you say, well, I think, did you get a job after that or did you go right to law school or what? So, so interestingly enough, you know, with department, with the foreign, so I had a dog, I had, I had a dog named Alfie, Alfredo Luigi, my, my angel boy who came down with me to Miami and was like my sidekick. And like, you know, they say, I don't need a therapist. I have a dog. So my dog and I, you mm-hmm. know, traveled and we moved to Miami together. And then my understanding was, is that if I got accepted in certain locations in the foreign service, I would not be able to bring him with me. So guess what? I applied to law school. That is oh. actually the reason why I applied to law school is I couldn't leave my dog. Hey, <laughs> you know? I, for anyone who's a dog lover, we understand, you know, I had, I had, I always say I had a dog when I first got married, we had a dog. We literally picked it up right after our honeymoon. And then when I got pregnant, people would say, my dog's name was Coralie. We named him after Corleone. The Godfather was popular at that time. And people would say, well, what are you going to do if Corley doesn't like the baby? I go, the baby goes. I mean, I, I couldn't <laughs> imagine that I could love this baby more than I love my dog. But it turned oh out God. that I actually love that baby too. In addition, in addition, <laughs> yeah. so I, I hear you. Yeah. So that's, so that was kind of the, ultimately the, 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 whatever you want to call it, the place where you said, you know what, I'm not leaving my dog was love interest to you or, you know, I, you know, going back to the beginning of a conversation where I said I was bullied, you know, I, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not, and not having the words, not coming up with the arguments myself, feeling kind of subjected and not having any other way to get out of it other than just dealing like break, you know, you know, I felt like, okay, so at least I'll be able to know the rule of law. So I would be able to speak my truth if I had to, or stand up for others. I was going to say, and have a voice, have a voice, give voice to those that may not be able to use their own. Yes. So, so that was definitely something that was very attracted, attractive to me because Mm -hmm. I do not like when wrong, wrong or injustice is happening. It makes me furious. <laughs> like I literally you must have had a particularly rough last few years. I'm just going to oh. say, <laughs> well, yeah, not, you that's know not I- that kind of a show, but <laughs> yeah, I always, I always ask the host whether or not we go in that direction, but you know, no, you know we're not, yeah. we're not going to, because I, but I'm, let's just say I can sense you and I are probably on the same page and I feel good about that. Yeah. So anyways, so you, you went into law with the thought of, I, I, I don't like injustice. I don't like untruths. Yeah. I don't yeah. like when things aren't fair and I'm going to try and help, help people to use their voice and make a difference. Yeah. And the really interesting thing about law school um, that you will find your first year is they try to break you down. They try to make you feel as if you are stupid (laughs) and that what you know before that you walked into that door, it no longer applies. They, They really do want you to think in a certain way, you know, break down your thinking the way, you know, and, and they want you to come out of there being able to articulate, but make sure that you listen well, listen to the, the evidence as it comes out, but then be able to articulate in kind. So a lot of the initial like newbie attorneys out in the world, they all are like gun ho and they think that everyone wants to hear them. Right. Mm-hmm. But you, you miss the point because you'll lose your argument before you even open your mouth. Okay. If, if you do that. And, and it's really kind of, you know, I love it when the, the newbies come out. Cause when I was prosecuting cases with the DHS, I would be like, Oh, just let him talk. You know, he's going <laughs> to, 
I mean, I was like, because, you know, as, but, you know, that's, that's what we get with wisdom of the ages. That's when we get, as we get to practice and, you know, that's yes. something I did not have when the outset that I had to be learned. Who is it at the beginning? We don't, we get it now maybe, but we don't get it at the beginning. So how yeah. long were you, were you, were you an attorney and, and what made you then sort of, well, you can share with how you ended up changing pathways. <laughs> right. Or directions. So I, so I'm, I, I'm still an attorney. I, I will always. Well, no, I, yeah, yeah, so, so, I, I didn't I, mean I, to say you weren't an attorney, but yes, guys, I apologize. After you, after you pass the federal, the, the bar exam, you're like, you're like, you're like, you hold on to that because you never want to do it again. But that being said, I worked for DHS for 20 years. Wow. Um, what I will say is that my life really did change. And the whole impetus behind writing my memoir and my books was that my mother passed away in April of 2011. Oh. So yeah, she literally, this is actually really on point for anyone who's listening. My mother, before she died, she looked at me and said, and it was a very stressful time because I had two very young kids. I was juggling everything, thinking I could do it all, thinking, I, and I was doing it all, but yes. I was burning at both ends. I was okay. doing it all, but I was, bur- I had such little wiggle room to breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If something happened, I would have been, you know, it's, it's like a deck of cards falls down, right? Yep. Yep. I, um, Basically, she told me chronic stress is going to kill you <laughs> and you should have no regrets when you're at where I am right now. That's what she said. Oh, I have goosebumps. So That's... when someone says that to you, <laughs> they, better wait. The next part of the, you know, their experience, however that is. Were you, were you feeling un, I don't know, unfulfilled at that point after being there for 20 years and simultaneously while your mom was ill or what was... You know what it was? There's a, and, and I, and I don't, and it, so there is, unfortunately, in law, when I was in private practice before I even actually went into the government, women who have children, you know, mm-hmm. you, you go, you, you don't, you don't get a break. No, part, no, no you don't get, and, and, and when you forget, we forget that you gave birth to a baby. Yes. <laughs> and then you go through the whole process afterwards. And we all know baby boot camp's no fun. And nope. then you all of the process of raising these kids and not really knowing what was going on, but having the desire to have a career as well. And mm-hmm. that whole balance conundrum, right? What I am do- I doing? You know, you know, you know. I do know. I totally know. I've got two kids. I understand as a career person, I get it. And and you work so hard. I have three degrees. I didn't want to give up anything. I wanted to mm-hmm. be able to do it all. And at the same time, you know, your your nervous system might go on the skin. Exactly. <laughs> anxiety, you know. It, yes, it, they do. Or depression, or depression. or or physical illness. I mean, it, your your body will tell you, hey, cut cut it out now. It's enough. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, unfortunately some people only realize that until the body does. Like, That's oh, exactly. done. Right. So yeah. your mom gave you some very wise words, right? Wise, wise words. So after she passed away, you know, I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't okay. want to go to court anymore and question people's credibility constantly. I mean, listen, I love people. Remember I told you, I, I learn yeah. languages so I can connect to people. And when I would go to court, they would see me as the prosecution and they would hate me and, or they'd be terrified of me. And I literally felt that energy exchange. I'm- Yes. That's a, you don't want to be the thought of as the bad guy all the time. That would feel, that would get stressful. And you're, you can, I can see your energy so positive and loving. So that must have sucked. Yes. Not yet. And the magnets in my office were not enough to, we're not, we're doing, we're doing the <laughs> trick. That wasn't going to work. That wasn't enough. Yeah. So I, you know, I, 
I started really thinking about what it is that I wanted to do in my life. And right before I, my mom passed away, I, I would, I, I always wrote, I always loved to try. And she's always, you know, she's curious, what are you doing? What are you, I, I'm, I'm writing a book. And she's like, well, what's the book going to be about? And I said, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm playing with words. You know, I, I enjoy the, the words and how they flow on a page. And she was like, well, that would be amazing because at least I know that what I leave, I, what I did with you, you know, had some merit, like at least not merit per se, but she used to sit with us and like really work with us, how to, you know, articulate ourselves well in the paper and, mm -hmm. and really be meticulous with our grammar, et cetera. So, you know, I, I was, I, I do enjoy I, the written word. I do enjoy seeing mm -hmm. what kind of creative visualizations I can come up with, what yep. stories that I can tell. That was something that really brought me alive. And, and I am a big aficionado of Broadway. And like we said, Love the movie. It. So Love it. But nothing better. Like imagine two years we haven't had. I know. Part. It feels like, like life sucking out of you. It's like, yes. where, like, where can we go? You know, that was actually closed down. Uh, hey, I bought tickets to Hugh Jackman's music man, like two years ago to go to New York. And every other month was, it'll be then now, now I'm scheduled for next May and oh I am so excited. So yeah. No, got to go. Got to go to New York. I want to see him. Amazing. Yeah, yep. I'm excited. So well, I'm with at, you. Yeah, a point to a point. In fact, after my mother passed away, my father would take us, my sisters and I have two other sisters to New York to mm -hmm. do what we call Poppy Palooza. And we would see six shows. Oh, it was, my God. It was it was like she would love she would have loved that. Yeah. She would have loved that. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, for me, I always looked for that, you know, synchronistic theme that was crossing yes. through all the shows that I would see, take it away and put somehow involved it in my creative unfolding as well. And, and, it, you know, it was just, it's just amazing when you have that exchange from, from someone who, you know, dared to be bold enough to write a show to share with exactly. other people, because it's not easy. The no. People don't, you want to no. start off with a deal and that's it. You just like walk into their life. They have hey, to work increments toward it. So my niece is a uh, playwright and she's currently, okay. I don't know. She's amazing. She, I, I, I had interviewed her too, but she's amazing. She's currently got three things going right now. She started as an actress in New York. She lives in New Jersey. Um, and she's just the most creative thing, but like, I, I know what it takes for her to write it. And then you have to get someone to might be interested and then pay for it. And then till it gets to a, an actual theater. So it's, it's a long, arduous process, but you know, when you have the, you know, just going back to one's purpose and what comes on, if you have the creative talent and you're clearly a writer, when you have it inside you to not do it is going against who you are. So it's almost like you have to do it. And as I've shared many times on previous episodes, it's not that once you find what you want to do, that it's going to be all easy, breezy, peasy, peasy, but you do it anyways. And, and even if there's some rejection or there's some stumbling blocks, that's just like, okay, it's just the universe asking you, how badly are you really committed here? And if you are, we'll help you, but don't think it's going to just be a straight line because it's just not how life, you know, works. So if you've got the creative bug in you or of whatever it is that you feel inside is calling to you, you probably want to listen. 
So it sounds like you did. Yes. So yeah, and pay attention to the people who show up. Yeah. Who show up. That is huge. That is huge. Start having conversations from mm-hmm. a place of possibility rather than, you know, this is never going to happen. The naysaying, right? Exactly. I'll never get you anywhere. And, and that is really what I did. And honestly, at a, a certain point, you know, I found myself on stage with Oprah Winfrey in Miami in front of 15,000 people. Wow. I found myself in a, Chris Martin of Coldplay's backyard at the oh, love. Oh, I love him. I lo- he he and I, well, in his music, yes. spent many an hour after my mother died, completely devastated and totally involved in like completely enveloped in grief, crying yeah. to his music. So the He's fact amazing. of the matter is, when I did finish my first book, I was like, I wanted to share it with him, mm-hmm. and I reached out to what I thought was him, and I found this Love Button Global Movement, which I have a, a amazing mentor and Dr. Habib Sadegi, and how he is such a force to spread love in this world through his dandelion initiative through all of these wonderful but the fact of the matter i'm sorry daffodil initiative the fact of the matter is that he invited me out to california right before i decided to quit my job you have no idea i was like sitting there my favorite song in the world is yellow and the first song that chris martin played was yellow and i looked at my husband because he told habib told me that i could bring um my husband as well as a, a judge, a really good friend of mine, a judge in court. Uh-huh. The two of us are sitting there and we're like listening to this and we're like, oh yeah, no, I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. I found out, like I just found out that like I, I told my husband, I said, listen, I don't want to stay at this place. There's two options, right? I I apply for the promotion and then or I leave and, and go after my dream of, mm-hmm. of seeing this writing thing come to life. And you know He's my, my husband's more of the grounded one of the two of us. Uh-huh. I am butterfly. I yes, am like, okay. oh, work out. it'll be fine. It'll be great. And um, he's like, oh my God, that's terrifying. <laughs> you know, that's terrifying. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, it's all on me. And I said, it's never all on you because, right. you know, as we both walk in the, the direction, the luck will, you know, cover both of hey, us. Hey, if we do what we're supposed to do and you believe in abundance, the money will come. So, but it's still hard when you have a good paycheck to say, you know what, I can't do this anymore for my soul. Well, I still have a family to support in a certain lifestyle or just to support period. Uh, but you yeah. went ahead and sounds like you took the leap. Well, you know, I took the leap, you know, terrified, right? Uh, so of course. I, you do it anyway. <laughs> But I think that's important for people to hear is that it doesn't mean that we're not scared. We are scared. It's okay. You can be scared. Do it anyways, if it's really your calling. Yes, I absolutely 100% agree. Mm -hmm. And for me, they always say, right? They, they, they always say that, you know, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, the universe will help convince you that where you are to stay is going to be much more uncomfortable than if you took a leap of faith and jump. So you for better me, believe it. Yep. I have a healthy ego. I'll admit it. I 20 years in my, they were taking program. I, I was the lead intern coordinator and I had basically trained over 300 law students, college students, high school, and they basically took the program from me, something that I built up and I loved. Oh, and all of, so they, so yeah, but that's the universe. That was it. Like, direction. okay, yeah. goodbye. Yeah. This part of your life is over. Yep. In and this same, way. In the same week, Lynn Manny Miranda sent me a note on my first book saying that he, you know, oh. you should be really proud of it. So I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> like, oh my God, what is love, happening? Love him, so, love Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. So 
in my so, world, it had to be that extreme. I, mm -hmm. I, in my world to leave, you know, 10, 10 years, only 10 years on the table to have, you know, pension and retirement all yep. set up and insurance, you know, that was a, that's a huge, yes. huge thing. Yep. Thing. Uh, it had to be something like that. Like, mm -hmm. where, like Oprah tells me to live the life I want that, you know, I have experiences with somebody in the music world that yep. I admire more than anything. And then that Lynn Miranda tells me, and then we don't, we're not going to touch on this, but what, what happened in the country subsequent you know, to 2016 was a factor as well. And I had to be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, is this something I can I can handle. And, and I knew well that it, it, it was not, especially it was immigration. And that yes. was the area that was really being plotted as, as, you know, this, you know, us versus them. And that's not how I think. And that's not how I even practiced when I was there. Mm -hmm. I, I, I followed mm -hmm. the rule of law, but I was able to do a lot of good there. Mm -hmm. And in both respects, because yeah. I think that at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people are, are you know, doing things that they shouldn't be in this country still. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So. even though we're not going to do a full thing on that, but let's just say yeah. it was a pretty traumatic and still is uh, several years. And unfortunately, uh, it's still whatever on a, on a multitude of things um, in terms of our democracy. So it's for those of us that care about justice and balance and inclusiveness, um, which I hope is everybody. Um, it's really, really, really been difficult. So, um, yeah. So, but that I can understand then even more so from what, you know, you're saying, um, it, I think it impacted all of us in, in different ways, right. but certainly I can hear what, you know, what you're saying. And, and that was another opportunity or another message, whatever word you want to say, because I even have talked a little bit, even on, on this podcast about the pandemic being it's, yeah. it was the universe. Like you, you, all you human beings you are messed up people <laughs> you need a time out because you better get your life together here because you guys are fighting and you're yelling and you're there's so much hate and anger and the climate and the planet's going to no you better take a look at yourself unfortunately i'm not sure we've looked as deeply as we need to but as the eternal optimist That's i feel there's always hope and I know from my point of view, every day of my life, I try to be in a place of gratefulness and send out love to myself, to my family, to my community and to our country and to the world. So that if each person talking about, you know, when a butterfly flaps its wings, as I'm sure, you know, it affects everyone um, yes. forever and that we can always shift what's the, the temperature and the climate literally um, of our country and, and really the world. That's I pray every day for that myself. So well, with conversations like these, right. it, it really does. I mean, you open the room to have everybody at the table having these exactly. conversations where they can be seen and heard. It changes the discourse right. completely. No one feels like they're not a part of the solution. Which well, and I, if you can, and if you remind yourself that we're, we're all, you know, kind of in this together. So I try really hard, you know, with someone I disagree, whatever, to show compassion. And so if you can show compassion, that opens up again, the door to communication, and then you can hopefully find some kind of middle ground. Um, so we can move forward in a, a different, different direction. But all that being said, you wrote your first book. Yeah, no, um, so I, so so actually, so actually, when I was on stage with Oprah Winfrey, it was really then she looked at me. I had been doing a lot of writing on a blog for a few years. It was one of the things that I used because to, to that point, I lost myself when my mother died. I was completely yeah. like I was completely groundless. I, I was I was just lost. And uh -huh. 
know, I said, I may be lost, but I, I but you know, but I, I still had that need to never give up on myself. Right. Okay. That, that whole desire. So, but the bottom line is when you're that lost and I think mm-hmm. that maybe speak to that now, because of the West people may be feeling really lot sadness and et cetera, that, you know, the best thing you can do, the best possible thing is to reach out to other yeah. people, not sit in it by yourself and wallow. And one of the things that I did was speak to a therapist who said to me, you have to connect to your mother. So I started writing mm-hmm. letters to my mother and they became insights. And that made up my first book, the magical guide to bliss. But when I was on stage with Oprah, she looked at me and she goes, now it's the time to live the life that you want. I was like, I'm going to publish it. I'm going to figure out a way and I'm going to get it out there. And that's really what I did. So my guide to bliss was my first book and uh-huh. I followed it. I followed my guide to bliss, which led me out of the job that I had uh-huh. into what I'm doing now, which is I do a lot of inspirational speaking. I do a lot of coaching. I do a lot of leadership coaching, career transition. I help people you know, come up with the initial tools toward their dreams. Really. Mm-hmm. I, I really am a manifester. I believe the possibilities are there as long as you, like you said, take the first initial steps toward them. And I also love to write. I'm still writing as it goes. I'm coming out. Like I said, when I finish my trilogy, which I've done, it's going to be a screenplay because I love the movies, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to go in that direction. And then it has to be a Broadway musical. Okay. I, 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 that is the dream. That is where I'm going. So I, you know, I'll never, I'll never stop. But the really cool thing is what I've learned along the way. I've been able to get a certification in happiness studies through um, positive psychology professor Tal Ben Shahar, which I love. I love that whole field. It's amazing. So I've, and, I've heard. I've heard more. And more I heard. There, I think it's. I think it's actually in Boston. I don't know if it's at Harvard, but it's at one of the Harvard. schools. They have a course on happiness or something, and it's like you can't even sign up and they had to like expand it. They had it in like a, like a, a classroom for like 40. And then it was like for a hundred and then they had to give it to the biggest, you know, auditorium they had. And I, I guess it's still going strong. Maybe now they have more than one section. I don't know, but um, I think people want to want to know how, how do you find happiness and maintain it within your life? Um, knowing that there's going to be ups and downs, but that the essence of who we are is that we're supposed to be in a place of joy. And when we're not, that something is not in balance, um, either physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, whatever. And, and that we have to figure that out to make it better. So that's kind of, so that's, you have an actual business. Like if people want to call you and say, Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I have a, so, you know, and and I love how you put it because the whole being concept of all of us, we can't really, you know, ignore one part of our lives and think that everything is going to be, you know, hunky dory. It's all of us, all every, every aspect of our lives is really important to, to really look at those. But anyway, that being said, I had the opportunity to do that program. I got certified as a coach. Great. Um, I went through the ICF. So I have that part of my business as well. And one of the things that I'm doing as far as, you know, giving back is I still wanted to maintain a connection to the attorneys. So I am the, what one of the co-chairs for the wellness program at the American Immigration Law Association. So you're amazing. You know what it is? It's kind of like that need to be involved and serve still Mm -hmm. at the same time play. I want to play and and, and engage other people to start playing with those things that bring them and come Mm -hmm. to life. So So during, during this whole kind of transformation to kind of where you are now, where you're really using your creativity and you have a, an idea in your head of what else you want to do the, you know, the play and the musical and, and the screenplay and whatever you feel like inside, just going back to the, you know, purpose of my little podcast here, you feel like you're on your purpose and doing your path, your calling, whatever you want to call it. 
I, I will say this. I, when you wake up to the beauty of your dreams, when you become conscious mm-hmm. to your life and you start paying attention, which I love, love, love Mary Oliver's quote, pay attention, be astonished and tell all about it. When you mm-hmm. share from yes. a place of I've gone through it, I've done it. It's possible here. I'm going to tell you about it. So you'll be inspired and given, right. give yourself permission to do the same. Yeah. That is what inspires me and gets me going every single day. And I thrive there. And when I, I, you know, Hey, listen, we're all imperfect beings. We all know we all get off our, our course occasionally. And sometimes more than occasional when we're dealing with the pandemic. So what you will say to yourself is that, Oh, what did I, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? The bottom line is you take yourself back to that knowing that, you know, what you do really gives you life. And if you're brighter and you shine brighter in this light, then other people will watch you and want to. And I love what you said about reaching out because you know what, you know, we are a, a, um, a society, we are social beings and when we're going through whatever. So like, even like we were saying during this pandemic time, part of what I think, at least for myself, I mean, I, I, I did learn that I actually, I like to be by myself. I knew that already, but I, I even know that even more so, but I also can't be totally by myself and how we figured out ways. I mean, uh, someone was just asking me what I was doing. This will probably come on right before Thanksgiving or around Thanksgiving. And, and this year I am having Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving at my house. But last year I made a turkey and my son and daughter law my two granddaughters live like about a, mile, a couple of miles away. And we went in their garage and we live in Chicago. So it wasn't exactly, you know, he has a heater in there, but let's just say we were in our winter coats <laughs> and they were at one table and we were eight feet away at another table. And it was just the six of us, I think, or, you know, yeah, I don't know. Maybe her parents came to, I don't remember, but anyways, and you know what? It was still beautiful. So it's really whatever the situation is, it's how we adapt and we still want to be connected to the people that we love. And if we can give back or help in whatever way that we can, that is a double like yay for the world. So yeah. So that's about being, you know, connected. So sounds like you, you feel good with what you're doing now and you see yourself continuing on this path, you would say? No, absolutely. I, 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 I did. Do, I was a clinical um, adjunct for many years when I told you about the mentor program yep. and I really love to engage in the teaching realm. So we'll see what happens as far okay. as whether I go back to that. That's a possibility. I do love that part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You know? Who knows? I just finished a TEDx in May. I did my first TEDx doing about you know, wake up. It's time to come uh, basically how to, how to have a, how to build a happier you know world through, you know, waking up to your dreams basically was the yep. gist of that. But you know, one of the things I have to say, it's funny because we all have these great ideas. They show up in our lives and sometimes we ignore them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they keep showing up, showing up, showing up, like you can't ignore them anymore. Right. And when I was dealing with, and this is how books you really bring our imaginations to life. So basically those things that show up over and over for me were like hints from books that intrigued me. I was getting mm-hmm. engaged in my imagination. So when I was reading Paulo Coelho, who's, you know, the alchemist and he wrote, he wrote also a book called the pilgrimage, mm-hmm. um, this whole idea that he took this spiritual pilgrimage in El Camino de Santiago. And I knew I wanted to do that, but I had no idea because I really did not enjoy hiking, but I was like, there's gotta be a message there for me. And I had to do it because I wanted that. I yep. wanted that experience. Like maybe I was thinking that maybe it was a little different than it actually was because I had never hiked 77 miles in my life before. Mm-hmm. And even before I actually embarked on it, 
I didn't even do any walking. I pulled my back out for the three months beforehand. So I actually had to learn like to move myself or sit. So, but I went and oh, I you went did it. Store. I did. I did the pilgrimage. I had 17 people show up that I couldn't do the pilgrimage without these people because I had to have a whole group of us together. Right. People showed up. So when you step into the beauty of your dreams, your purpose, your meaning, whatever, pay attention to see who shows up, have the conversations and engage those ideas because what started at just an idea, I spread to others and they started joining in. And now I, your, your whole circle of influence becomes larger where I get to have relationships from an experience that we all shared Wonderful. that we start the Camino afterwards. So this journey of this life, who knows, we could choose other things as we go that resonate with us. It's never over until it's over. Agreed. But at this point in life, I am much happier where I stand now. Oh, so to me that, first of all, this has been so inspirational. So again, thank you so much. But those are, those are great words to kind of close things down. Because that, that's the truth, Jen, the podcast. That is just the truth for everyone to remember that you will get messages. And if you're not going to listen, you will get even more. And you'll be beaten over the head and it'll be from a book. You know, like lots of times people have said to me, well, how did you know that this is what you were supposed to do or whatever? And I go, you know what? After I hear something from 10 different people or I'm watching a show that I never watch and it's a theme of that show or I'm reading a book that I don't normally read. And all of a sudden there's a sentence in there that, that says almost the exact same thing. You kind of have to listen. You know, it's like when people have whatever, even a health issue, and they're told over and over again, if you exercise 20 minutes, three times a week, you'll notice a difference. And then everywhere they go, there's an exercise commercial. There's a <laughs> an exercise bike on sale and they get, and then they go, oh, well, maybe then I should just try and do that for 20 minutes, three times a week. And we'll see if I, my cholesterol goes down and then oh, lo and behold, it, it does. So, <laughs> you know, you, you, you can't just pray. Well, I'm all for prayer and meditation. And I do that every single day of my life. But when the messages come, it's like I, too, um, have, have written uh, several books and back in the day was also on Oprah, you know, so but it didn't I didn't get on Oprah just by praying it. I had a call, her, you know, because she was in Chicago at the time. So I had a call and I was writing letters. I won't tell you how many times I got rejected and, you know, whatever. But I just kept calling and calling and calling. And all of a sudden they said, OK, and then I was on Oprah and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm on Oprah. Who the heck am I? But anyways, it was I still was on. So same with writing my book. I mean, if you're not going to sit down and write it, how is it going to get published? I had the idea and the idea is good, but you have to execute. So, but you need a support system. So it, it, in, in addition, so it sounds like you have all that in place. So that is wonderful. And that I love the other thing you said that I also wanted to say before I say the quote that I have for today, um, you, you, it's never over till it's, it's over. So as much as one thing's okay, I'm 45, I'm 50, I'm 55. This is what I'm doing. And I love it. Always keep your heart open to you can love this for now and you may do it the rest of your life and that's fine. But like if you would have said to me, first of all, I didn't even know what a podcast was three years ago. <laughs> if someone would have said to me, sometime you're going to be doing this thing and it's called a podcast, I would have looked at you and laughed like ha 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 ha. And meanwhile, here I am doing it. So and I'm a senior, you know, I'm not like a little young chickadee here. So you you just never say no. And I still feel that way at this moment that at this stage of my life, I'm doing this now and I don't know what else may come. We'll see. So you always want to leave yourself open because if your heart is open, um, whatever message you're going to get is not only going to fulfill your life, it inevitably you will give back. And that's really ultimately what we want to be doing here is, is be there for each other. So 
Yeah. So great. Thank you so much, Becca. All right. So here's my, um, uh, which I think is just funny. You know, I always, you know, I pick these quotes, which I say every time before I'm actually speaking to the person. And then I'm like, okay, I'm a little freaked out at how good this quote was. Okay. So here it is. It's a short one, but it's like, perfect. Or here's what it is. It says lean forward into your life, begin each day as if it were on purpose, and then you will have your purpose. Isn't that crazy? And it's by Mary Ann Radmacher. I don't know. I just, you know, I, I Google quotes of purpose and then I just see whatever feels like, oh, this might work for me. So anyway, so keep that in mind, lean forward into your life, begin each day as if it were on purpose and ultimately you will find your purpose. So thank you. So thank you so much, Meg, for doing this. And I'm Janice Alpert, and this was On Purpose. Hopefully you all are living your life with purpose and maybe even on purpose. Until next time, bye-bye. 